The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Morning from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. May God bless the reading of his word. Is this on? Good morning, Gallery Church. Oh, come on, you could say it louder than that. We're a little nervous, so help us out. At least give us a louder good morning. Good morning, Gallery Church. There we go. Thank you. Uh, my name is Fausto, and this is my wife, Lana, and we will be, I guess, teaching today, right? That's what we're doing? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, all right, I'm getting my notes. All right, cool. Yeah, so as I said, my name is Fausto. This is my wife, Lana. We've been married for about uh, three and a half years now um, and have been at Gallery for two years, almost three. Um, and as I said, we're bringing the teaching this morning. <laughs> 
Some of you know us and know our testimonies. And um, in the past couple of years, um, as we got married, actually, we just have been through some um, trials of our own. And um, some of them brought um, the need to sacrifice the things that we loved or hoped for. And um, as we were asked to teach today, um, that story of Abraham was reminded um, to us by the Lord and um, how it, we, we went through that in our own lives. So we wanted to share that with you today. Um, so we'll be bringing you through the story of Abraham together. Yeah, so I don't know how many of us were, let's say, born basically at church, um, but Abraham is a pretty, pretty popular uh, name in the Bible uh, within secular uh, communities and also uh, biblical ones, right? You, he, him along with like Noah, Jesus, and Moses, like you say those names and re- regardless of whether you're Christian or not, you know him. Uh, the, those of us that did grow up, you know, in, in the church, you know, may know him from like Father Abraham, had many sons. I don't know if you guys know that song and you're swinging your arms, all of that. Um, yeah, right? We should sing it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the closing song. Um, but uh, one of the things that makes Abraham special um, is um, he was he was known as a friend of God. James uh, two twenty three tells us that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And honestly, I'm not sure of anyone else in the Bible that has had that title. And that's a pretty pretty heavy thing to to, to have, right? Um, so today we're going to dive in, I guess, into why, right? So in the scripture that Andrew read, thank you very much. <laughs> um, verse twenty two. Oh, sorry. Chapter 22, verse 1 starts with, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And this very simple, very, very just calm interaction, right? God hasn't actually requested what he's going to request of Abraham in verse 2. But we can observe a couple of things. One, Abraham knew that it was God calling him. You know, he knew that it was God's voice. He, he, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't lost amongst any other thing. He knew Right? And the second is that Abraham's reply was immediate. He said, here I am. He didn't wait to respond, because, first, because he knew who God was, who was calling him, but second, because he had that confidence to know, no, God is calling me, I'm going to reply. Nowadays, there's so many, so many voices pulling us in so many different directions, whether it's friends, opinions, politics, social media, so many things grasping for our attention. And it's so important as, as, as followers of Christ to know his voice above all other things. Uh, one of the most important things of obedience, sacrifice, and, su- and surrender is our relationship with God and being able to distinguish his voice, whether it comes as a thunderous roar or whether it comes as a tender whisper, right? Being able to, to know that that's our Father calling us, right? Um, one of my favorite parts of gallery gathering is actually after, after service that you see all of the, the kids just running around and, and, you know, really enjoying their fellowship with, with each other. And, you know, as much as the parents enjoy that, the parents also want to go get food, so you can have like a, a just kids over here and a mama over here and say, you know, like I'm going to use Liv's children, like Lakin. And Lakin, whether he, list, whether he pays attention or not, he knows that it's his mom. And you can have two or three children with the same name, but they will never confuse their mother's call or their father's call, their parents' call, because they know it so intimately. And today, I, 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 you know, that's such a pillar in our, in, in our relationship with Christ, knowing that. Um, verse 2 says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering um, on a mountain I will show you. 
And there are a couple of observations from the scripture. Um, one, I guess, minor one, but I, I thought was pretty important, was that the Bible makes an emphasis um, on Abraham's love for Isaac, right? Isaac was the only son, but it says the son whom you love, right? At least the, the NIV translation that, that I'm using here. And as we, as we read a little further, we, we start questioning, okay, but what does Isaac represent, right? Was he just Abraham's son or what else, right? Because the the request from God is already heavy enough as it is when he's asking him, give me your son, right? But Genesis 15, uh, verses 2 through through 6, tell us a a little more of who Isaac was. Isaac represented um, a promise that had already been fulfilled. Isaac was born uh, from Abraham and Sarah when Abraham and Sarah were, were pretty old, right? They were, I don't know, maybe 80s, maybe 90s, but basically an age where it was like, yeah, you're probably not going to have a child unless God's the one that's given it to you, right? Um, it was a miracle child. Another thing was Isaac also represented a promise that was yet to be fulfilled. Um, in those scriptures, it also tells us that, that, that God was going to bless Abraham with descendants that Sorry, I just got really silent. Um, finally, I, I think um, to us it was really, uh, really important to, to point this out that Isaac also represented God's mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness for Abraham and Sarah's disobedience. After they received the promise in, verse, in, in chapter 15 that, that they were going to have a child and, and, and it was credited to, to, to Abraham as righteousness, I guess Abraham and Sarah decided to take matters into their own hands. Um, basically, they ended up having, um, they, they conquered or, or conjured this plan to have a child um, with their servant, Hagar. Um, and possibly because of disbelief, maybe impatience, or a multitude of other reasons, but Abraham and Sarah um, ended up con- conceiving this child named Ishmael. Um, and I think most importantly, what we can observe from what happened in chapter 15 chapter 16, and then eventually in chapter 22, is that God does not change his promises. Despite the, the hiccup or the, the, the plans that we may have, if God promises something, he does not change it. He says that his blessing was still going to happen. He promised Abraham this child. He promised Abraham that this child was going to be basically the descendant that would, that would be the, the, I guess, the root of all these like, descendants that would outnumber the stars, right? God still blessed him despite that hiccup in the in, in between. So from verse 2 to verse 3, um, we have a little bit of a title slide. God asks, now what? When we are um, reading verse 2 and verse 3, um, it says in verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Um, and he then began on his journey. So that's potentially 8 to maybe 12 hours of that um, time of empty time. We don't know what was happening. Just imagine if you put yourself into Abraham's shoes, that's a whole night of thinking and overthinking and wrestling with your mind. You probably didn't get any sleep. And if I'm, um, if Abraham is anything like me and, um, um, you know, I think it is very important to note that he, um, he could possibly be thinking about doubting about this thing that he was about to do. Actually, in his mind, it was maybe a contradiction that he received from the Lord. Here in Genesis 15, he's told that Isaac, this only son that he has, will be a promised child, 
And here in, ver in chapter 22, the same Isaac is going to be sacrificed. Surely that can be God. Or is it the same God that is asking me to do two contradictory things? So how is it that we are looking at our um, calls of obedience as well? We could look around and think, hmm, was that God? Or then we can look around in or the room and say, was he talking to me? And potentially even go deeper and look inward at ourselves. Possibly God can be asking me of such a big qualifying promise and um, obedient, a call to obedience because I know of all the things that are wrong with me and all the sin in my life that I have um, you know, committed to disqualify myself from such a promise, from such a call to obedience. But don't we love that the God who we serve is the one who qualifies the called and not the other way around? If God is asking you for something, he's going to provide that the means, the strength, and the, even the desire to obey, to fulfill that, um, just promise that uh, follows by obedience. So one of the other things that we could be um, wrestling with or potentially asking ourselves, it's surely not that big of a deal if I do it, if I don't do it or if I do it. Because some of us are not asked to sacrifice our children. Some of us may be asked to do something smaller in our mind that may seem small. And, you know, it could be anything. It could be change the path of our career to the least obvious. Or it could be talk to a stranger at a Starbucks or wherever to encourage them to walk out on faith and really understand that God is the one asking you to talk to this person. Or it may be encourage your coworker or talk to them about Christ where you know that they may not believe or you know that they don't believe. And it could be multiple of examples I can um, draw here. But I think that the thing that I want to draw our attention to is it's never a small thing when God asks of us. It's always something that will potentially impact multitudes of generations, um, as we see through the example of Abraham. You may not know the ripple effects right now of your obedience and your sacrifice, but through the example of Abraham, we know that it became bigger as the time progressed. In, in Romans 5.19, it tells us, just as through the, the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Mm. Does that remind you of anyone? I think it's Jesus that Paul is talking about here. And while, again, we are not called to um, sacrifice as something big as our children, it could be a little example. It could be a little step out in faith, but it is never little to God. But don't let the feeling of too much responsibility stop you from walking out and um, just in obedience and, and committing that act. Because through the example of Abraham, like Fausta said, Isaac was an example of grace, an example of mercy, an example of forgiveness, because Isaac, uh, Abraham clearly took the matters into his own hands. And just like that with us, we can mess up, we can fall down, we can um, trip, but God is never disqualifying us because of that. He is quick to catch us, quick to provide us grace and remind that, hey, don't worry about it. 
I know that this is a hiccup. I know, I already knew that you were going to do that because he knows us from within. So he's definitely going to, um, going to look past that disobedience if we ask for forgiveness and give us grace. And this time we see that Abraham's um, obedience was prompt and complete. Yeah. And I guess through that grace, it takes us back to Isaac. So in our timeline, um, God asked, Abraham traveled, and verse 4 tells us that they arrived, right? Uh, so they arrived, they left their servants, um, prepared the altar, and hiked up the mountain. And um, a very, very just impactful uh, part of this, of this interaction uh, that has been going on is verse 7 that it says, Isaac spoke up, right? Because until that point, Isaac hadn't spoken. We hadn't really, we know of Isaac, we haven't met Isaac. But Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, uh, sorry, to his father Abraham, father. <laughs> sorry, I got, yeah. Um, and Abraham replied, yes, my son. Uh, just a little context. Isaac wasn't like two or three years old. Isaac, we could assume, may have been older than 10. He would, he would have had knowledge of what was going on. He knew the customs. He knew the traditions. He knew that he was going up and his father was going to sacrifice something, but there was nothing there. Why? Because his next, his next question was, the fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And, you know, if, if I pause there and, and I just think if I'm Abraham, you know, and I'm, I'm not a parent, but the parents here, I don't know how much this, this may resonate, but how devastating must, must it be for you as a parent or Abraham to hear those words from, from, from his son, not only because he loved him dearly, but because of what he represented, all of those things, you know, the promise, the, the promise that was yet to be fulfilled, the forgiveness, all of those things like that shaped God's character and the, the promise that he, that he had already given. And here, you know, if you remove all of those things, it's like that intimate relationship because we, we heard already God loved, uh, sorry, Abraham loved his son dearly. So it's like you hear all of those things and then you have Isaac looking up and looking at his dad and saying, where is the sacrifice? Why isn't it here? And Abraham you know, has to muster up the courage and, and I guess try and reassure him. But, you know, um, Romans 8, 28 tells us, um, and we know that in all things, right, all things, right, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to the purpose. But as Lana said, how the heck is this good? Like, it's a contradiction. This is a promise. This is the only way because, like, the Bible says he's your only son, which means that we haven't even, Ishmael had already been born, but we're not even identifying that he's the son that a promise could be, that could, uh, that can, sorry, be fulfilled through, right? So, so Isaac is the only son. They're already old. The only reason they had Isaac was because of miracle. All of these things just coming down, and you're thinking, but this is a contradiction. This one thing that I love, that I'm holding on to, that, that I'm cherishing dearly, is the one thing that I'm being asked to let go of, Right? And, you know, you're, you say, but all things work, right? All things, this sacrifice, this, this, this entire thing seems like it makes absolutely no sense. And Abraham's response to Isaac is, is simple. God will provide, right? Uh, verse 8 says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them went on together. I don't know if Abraham really did have the faith or he was just saying it to reassure, but I'm not sure how he can look into his son's eyes and say those things unless he really believed that God would be the one to provide because I'm, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be able to, to, to do that, right? Um, 
So we, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we, we move, mo uh, move forward and, and we see that, that like, despite the feelings that, that Abraham may have had at his head, in, in his head, he, it seems like he really did believe that God was going to provide. And then at the last moment, Abraham is standing over here with a dagger on top of Isaac, inching towards his, his son. And at that last moment, God sent an angel and, said, and stopped Abraham. He called him out, and he provided a ram instead. God knew that Abraham was going to go through with it. He knew his heart. He saw his actions. He saw his intent. He saw Abraham was not, was not pausing. Abraham was going to go through with it because he knew that God would provide whatever that meant, right? And some of us have been asked to sacrifice, and we've been asked to give up, and we've been asked to be obedient with things that we may not have strength to do, or we may be holding on to things that maybe we're not supposed to be holding on to, and we're standing over the sacrifice, you know, but instead of following through and, and maybe God providing, we're standing over and we're looking around expecting for something to come, and some sacrifice to come up, and, and some ram, a proverbial ram, to be in the, in the bushes waiting for us, right? But sometimes that never comes, right? And the reason why, you know, we... we, we, we we look at Abraham and we see, okay, but why was he willing to do that? Was it because he didn't love his son? No, he loved him greatly. The Bible tells us that. Was it because of, you know, maybe Isaac was just a minor thing that he was willing to do? No, the Bible tells us that it was a, it, it was a monumental human being, like the, 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 the ripples, as Lana said, of, of, of uh, Isaac being born are, are huge, right? But the reason was because Abraham ultimately, the ultimate sacrifice was his surrendered heart. Abraham withheld absolutely nothing from God. He gave it all. He was willing to give up everything. You know, sometimes I'm afraid of little minor things, like afraid of even like, let's say, talking to a coworker about, about Christ, but who knows the ripple effect that that can have? What if their salvation is based off of that, that conversation? Or maybe not. Maybe this, their salvation is not based off of that conversation, but I'm just supposed to be there to pass the baton along to somebody else so they can see the testimony of what, of what Christ is. But if I don't do that, if I'm not obedient, God will still have his way, and that person can still be saved, and God will still, can still do miraculous ways. But wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be so much more awesome if, if you did you know, listen to God's voice, and we were obedient, and we did take that step of faith when he's asking us to do things that we have no strength to do simply because we trust that he will provide. You know, Abraham's, uh, honestly, Abraham's focus was, was on the fulfiller of the promises rather than on the promises themselves. So today, as we um, close and the worship team comes up, we want to ask you, is God speaking to you, and are you listening? If he's asked something of you, whether big or small, have you acted? And if you have not acted, what is preventing you from it? Ultimately, what is hindering our full surrender to God? So today, um, if anyone here is struggling with the things that we've talked about, the surrender to God, sacrificing the things that God has asked of us, with hearing his voice or distinguishing his voice, will you just stand with us and join us and those who are standing around the rooms, uh, the room with uh, red lanyards to pray for you? Um, and let's pray together for freedom, for victory, that God will instill an ultimate trust in our hearts to believe that he will provide the desire to obey, the desire to surrender our hearts, because that comes from him as well. And ultimately, the faith to step forward with a call to obedience. 
we'll also take this opportunity to invite everyone to, to uh, participate in the Lord's uh, table this, this morning. Um, as we go up remembering the ultimate act of surrender and the ultimate sacrifice that, was, that, that happened, which was Jesus, as we go up remembering what he did for us despite, you know, maybe we didn't deserve it, maybe we don't feel that way this morning, our, our Jesus still died for us. And he still loved us great, you know, so much to, to, to sh- let his son die on the cross for us. And, yeah, I guess uh, if we can just stand and, and yeah, pray together us. this morning. Father God, we come before you, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, for all of the things that you have spoken to us today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the wonderful example of Abraham, Lord, and his call that you have put on his life, Lord God. And his obedience, Lord God, that he did not hesitate, Lord God. Um, he did not hesitate to go forward with it. He, had, he did not hesitate and delayed his obedience, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that through this example, Lord God, that you so wonderfully portrayed for us, God, that we will be also learning and we will be also um, hoping, Lord God, to receive that call, to distinguish that call, Lord God, when it comes, Lord God, and to step out in faith, Lord God, and follow that call, God, in our lives, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that the spirit of discouragement, Lord God, or the spirit of um, guilt of anything, Lord God, that we have, may have done, Lord God, in our past, that in, my, in our minds may disqualify us from the call. May that all just go away, Lord God, with one word that you speak over us, God, grace and mercy. May we believe those words today, Lord God, and we may, maybe we believe and hold on to that encouragement, Lord God, from you, that you are there to provide whatever is needed for us to walk out and sacrifice, Lord God, that you may or may not provide the ram, Lord God, and that we be ready for it, Lord God, seeking just you alone, Lord God, and not the sacrifice and not the consequences of our obedience or some kind of reward, but you alone, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for everyone here, Lord God. And I pray, Jesus, if anyone here, Lord God, is struggling with that, speak to them today, Lord God. Speak to them, Lord God, um, a call that you have on their lives, Lord God, a call of purpose, Lord God. Big or small, Lord God, it doesn't matter to us, Lord God, because we are seeking you today, God. I pray, Jesus, that you will encourage those, Lord God, who are about to step out in faith in in something that you've called them to do, Lord God. Give them that word, Lord God. Confirm it to them, Lord God, that it is you who are speaking, Lord God, and that they are ready because you have called them and qualified them, Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, for everything that is about to happen, Lord God, as a fruit, Lord God, of reading the story of Abraham, Lord God, and dissecting it together, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, already for what you're going to do, Lord God, and the miracles, Lord God, that are happening, Lord God, all around us, Lord God, as a fruit of this obedience, Lord God. Let us go together, Lord God, now, and just in peace and knowing that mercy surrounds us, Lord God. There's nothing we can do wrong, Lord God. And I pray, Jesus, that we will go forward, Lord God, believing in that, like Abraham believed, Lord God, and let it not hinder anything that we're about to do, Lord God. In your name I pray. Amen.